Welcome to the Authentic Church Podcast with Jeff and Fawn Peterson in Orange County, California, where our mission is simply to love God, love people, and live authentic. For more information on Authentic Church, visit us online at AuthenticOC.com. Thank you for listening. Hey, everybody. Thanks for tuning in with us. Jeff and Fawn here. Hey, hey. So glad you're here. So glad to be with you. Summer is here. We've been having an awesome summer. It's uh, It's been incredible in Southern California. It's been a bizarre uh, summer to say the least, um, but it's been absolutely incredible. Some of you have been hearing some of the reports of what's been happening uh, down here in Orange County. It's been exciting, and clearly we can see that God is building His church. Absolutely. Revival is in the air, and catch it if you can. We are catching <laughs> it. It's everywhere, and I feel like everywhere we turn, there's um, something new and refreshing that God is doing and for the believers and the, the pre-Christians um, that we are praying for in this region. Yeah, so we've been gathering. Some of you have, have been following along on social media. It's been amazing, but we've been gathering at the beach um, because there's really nowhere you can meet indoors. So we're gathering outside at the beach in God's beautiful creation and having times of worship. And then in the middle of worship, um, somebody's getting up and sharing a great uh, basic preaching of the of the gospel, presentation of the good news, and people are coming to Jesus and people are finding freedom. And then immediately uh, they're going and being baptized. You know, uh, Jesus didn't say hey, pray this prayer. He said, uh, follow after me. And that looks like turning from our ways and going to be baptized. And so we're literally seeing people go and be baptized at the coolest baptismal tank ever, which is the Pacific (laughs) Pacific Ocean. And then coming up out of the waters of baptism, there's uh, more worship going on on the beach. They're being baptized in the Holy Spirit. There's healings that have been taking place. Mm -hmm. Cancer patients that have uh, have been uh, prayed for and totally healed um, that have been verified. It's just been an exciting time. And not only that, during this time of isolation, God is setting the lonely in families. The church is really a family and we're seeing so many people healed from depression, healed from anxiety, healed um, from the the, the after effects of isolation. There's freedom. There's freedom in Jesus. And so it's been so exciting. I I don't know how you could not be passionate about the things that Jesus um, came to earth for and he is alive now. Yeah. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. And we're seeing people get set free, you know, seeing people made whole. It's just been amazing. I love one of my favorite things about the gatherings on the Friday nights at the beach is there's no name that's being lifted up except the name of Jesus. There's no church, there's no speaker, no worship leader, etc. Although there's incredible people that are behind the scenes that are joining in with everything that's going on. The only one that is being promoted, the only name that's being lifted up is the name of Jesus. And he said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all people unto me. And that's what's happening. People are being drawn. And it, it is it is really, really beautiful. And so with this podcast, our prayer is that you are met with great hope in times of refreshing. Yeah, for the sake of today's podcast, I'm going to be actually reading out of the New Living Translation. Um, if you're not familiar with that, it's a great translation. Highly recommend it. Uh, when you're looking at Bible translations, there's typically three different types of translation. There is a word for word, which is literally when they take a word that was in uh, Greek or Hebrew, and then they translate that to English, and they do word for word. That's called the formal equivalence version. Then you have a thought for thought version, which is known as a paraphrase 
paraphrased version of the Bible, and that really takes into account what is being stated, what is trying to be conveyed uh, in that text, and then have a text that's similar but in modern vernacular. And then you have the dynamic equivalence, which is kind of a medium of road blending of the of, of the two versions. I personally like New Living Translation, although many would categorize it as more of a paraphrase, a thought-for-thought version. I like it because I feel it really does blend a lot of the two. So that's what I'm going to be reading from uh, for the sake of this podcast. Uh, just quick recap, we're in the middle of a series that we've entitled, The Church Has Left the Building. Week one, we went over Pentecost. Week two, the three enemies of the power of the Holy Spirit. Week three was, what is the church? And that was really a uh, more of an authentic church um, foundational teaching. It was very long. So those of you that listened to the whole thing, God bless you. You deserve free Chick-fil-A for making it all the way to through to the end. But I hope hopefully it gives a good context for what our um, view is when it comes to the church from a biblical uh, standpoint. And then on week four, here we are now, we're actually going to be talking about now serving refreshments. So that's the title of this message. So I'm going to talk about something that's very, very controversial in this episode, and that is Jesus. <laughs> okay. There's a lot of voices that are out there right now in the world that are vying for your attention. And who do you listen to? You know, I don't believe the church should be political. We're in the middle of an uh, election uh, year, and, and, and it is very much heating up. And I don't believe the church should be pol- political. However, there is a biblical model uh, for us and a bit of a mandate uh, for us to be light to the world and also a source of wisdom. We have kingdom values. Those kingdom values is such like forgiveness, mercy, justice, truth, love. Absolutely. Um, and there is a, a, a theocracy aspect um, to our faith. Um, you know, typically when it comes to the church and their relationship to the government, and there's 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 a lot of talk about this, a lot of controversy right now about this. But you 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 typically have one or two relationships with your government. You're either more like a Joseph or an Esther or a Daniel, where you're in close uh, communication and working with the government, or you fall on the other side where you're more like an Elijah or, or Elijah or a John the Baptist. And I, I think that there's a place for both, but typically, however your relationship is with any uh, governmental agency, uh, that's pretty much going to be the lens that you view things through as a church, and also it's going to affect your, uh, your decision-making. And you see in Proverbs 29, verse 2, it reminds us, says when the godly are in authority, the people rejoice, but when the wicked are in power, they groan. And across the nation right now, there's a lot of people groaning. There's a lot of people that are hurting. In Acts uh, 29, verse 18, it says where there's no vision, the people perish. And the Amplified Version reads where there's no vision, no revelation of God and his word, the people are unrestrained. They cast off restraint. But happy and blessed are they who keep the law of God. And you can certainly see the dichotomy of that right now. We're seeing people that are literally um, having free will to be able to gather in the streets and burn Bibles, yet you can't gather in a church and read out of the Bible or sing out of a hymn. And so there's this massive war that's going on, it feels like, across our country, and it's really ripping different people and groups apart. But I would say this, God is building his church. And even all the unrest and all the difficult situations and things that are going on, there is a clear delineation 
transition that's happening between somebody that is a convert to Christianity versus somebody who's a disciple of Christ. Jesus didn't come to have you pray a prayer. He didn't ask that of us to have eternal life. What he did come and say is that you must go and be baptized and become a disciple. But a lot of people had prayed a prayer and they're simply converts and now their faith is being challenged and they're either growing a backbone and standing up to things or they're cowing down. And, uh, you know, I, I think, you know, when you look at Bible uh, history, you look at people who study the Bible, there's two main groups uh, in history that have always studied the Bible. There's, there's a scholarly perspective where you take a look at what has been done. And then there's a soldier's perspective, which is what remains to be done, what needs to take place. Scholars are those that study just for the sake of information, but a soldier would study history for the sake of the mission, that we would learn from our past and then also understand the lay of the land for what still needs to be done. And we're not just learning about what God has done, but what God still wants to do. God invited us to be part of his church. It's the most important mission in the history of the world. And as soldiers for Christ, we march forward while why? What's the mission? That people may have an encounter with God and experience eternal life. That's the weight of what we're doing. And God is assembling his church. You know, our prayer is that authentic church is an incredible representation of soldiers, per se, who take up the mission of God, and that is to love God, love people, and live authentic. But there is an enemy. <laughs> there, there, there is a war that has invaded earth. You know, he has taken people captive. There are prisoners of war with the enemy. But God wants to set them free, and that's what he's doing. He has commissioned us as Christ followers now to go out into the world, go behind enemy lines, so to speak, uh, to rescue people. And we have the antidote that this world needs. Jesus Christ still saves people. He still heals people. Jesus still delivers people. Jesus is the hope of the world, and so shall his church be. So how did churches come to be? Where did all this start? Why, why is authentic even here? Aren't, aren't there enough churches in Orange County? I've heard that many times. Aren't enough people saved? Uh, no, there's not. Okay. Um, quick history lesson on the book of Acts as we jump into this. You know, it was written by a gentleman named Luke. The gospel of Luke is the prequel to the book of Acts. So if you could take a look at it as part one, part two, gospel of Luke is the prequel. The book of Acts is the sequel. Okay. Luke is about the life and the work of Jesus. So I recommend you go start there. If you're new to, to reading the Bible, go look and read through the book of Luke, and that'll tell you about the life and work of Jesus. And the book of Acts is about the life and work of the Holy Spirit. Okay, so Luke, all about Jesus, Acts, really all about the Holy Spirit, the movement of the Spirit. When Jesus took his place at the right hand of the Father, the Holy Spirit could take his place in the life of the believers. And so Luke records uh, the, the works and the words of Jesus. Uh, it's, it's called in, in different uh, theological circles, it's called the holy knot, where words and works come together and they fit together like, like a knot, you know, faith as a term, faith is a is always Hebraic. It, Hebraic meaning it is a noun, and it's a verb at the same time. It's something you have, but it's also something you do. And people, they really liked uh, the works of Jesus. But not everybody liked his words. 
He said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. He called them, you brood of vipers. He said, I am God. And, and that one uh, in particular got him crucified. It wasn't what you did, they said, uh, when they d- delivered the, the final, final um, uh, judgment against Christ. Uh, but they said it was by what you said that now you're going to be going to the cross and suffering this. So don't just look at his works, but listen to his words. You know, uh, he, he, When Jesus died on the cross and then rose from the dead, he appeared to his disciples and spent 40 days with them. And it says in, 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 in the book of Acts that there was many convincing proofs. Jesus alive, here he is walking amongst everybody after they saw him crucified. Uh, there were women who were coming to bring him flowers and they were mourning. And then they hear that Jesus, oh, he's, that, he's in town, he's having breakfast, you know. And then there's others where they were able to see his scars. They were able to hear his voice, okay. If you saw this man crucified and then a few days later you're sitting and having breakfast with him, that's pretty convincing proof. And you don't even have to go to college to get this one right, okay? That is true or false. Is that convincing proof? Yes, true. That is very convincing proof. And it was so convincing to these disciples, these early believers, that they became ambassadors for him to the world. So here's Luke. Um, he's, he's a physician. They call him Dr. Luke. He, he was not an eyewitness per se to the life of Jesus. He was more of a reporter, a historian, an investigator. Um, he's the one who helped to piece together the story. He's gathering uh, all this information from all the first, uh, first account eyewitnesses there, and he's collecting the facts and, and data, and he's putting it all into place and putting it into order. And so Luke is the writings of Jesus in the book of Acts is, is really the Jesus people doing what Jesus did. Luke Luke was actually, it's interesting to note that he was not Jewish, and uh, he's only mentioned three times in the New Testament, but he was close friends traveling uh, and a traveling companion uh, of Paul, and you'll read, you'll read throughout the book of Acts and some of the writings of Paul where it says, we went here, we did this, we did that. Well, the we is like, who, who, who's the other person? The we is, is Dr. Luke. And so Luke is Paul's personal physician. Uh, Paul uh, needed a personal <laughs> physician many times. Uh, he's beaten. He's shipwrecked. He's homeless. He's in prison. Uh, Luke's kind of like his cut man, right? Okay, Paul's out there and he's duking it out and he gets beat up a little bit, comes back to his corner. Luke's helping to put him back together and Luke's writing everything down meticulously. Um, so if you if you read through uh, Luke and what he wrote in the gospel and then also in the book of Acts and then also what he he helped to author a lot as he's traveling around with Paul, he, he really was a, a major part, major author of the New Testament. So what we read about in the New Testament a lot of times is connected to this guy, Luke. And, and Luke, uh, he stayed faithful to Jesus. Church history would record this, that he was indeed um, uh, an Antiochian Cyrian. Um, he was a doctor by professional disciple of the, of the apostles. He, he followed Paul until his martyrdom, serving the Lord blamelessly and faithfully. Um, we know that he never had a wife uh, and he never fathered any children, but church history record that he died around the age of 84, full of the Holy Spirit. Why am I bringing this up? I, I'm bringing this up from the standpoint that Christianity is about factual history. Okay, it's not just a it's, it's it's not a philosophy. Christianity is based on a person, and his name is Jesus. Without Jesus, 
Christianity is really dead. If Jesus is alive, it explains why Christianity is alive. Why, how in the world has this faith that's endured so many hardships, so much persecution, continue to endure? Well, the center of the Christian faith is the ruling, reigning, and resurrected king, and his name is Jesus. And Luke Luke's gospel records this. When Jesus took his place, the Holy Spirit took his place. The Holy Spirit um, kind of explodes onto the scene, um, and it starts in Luke, and it really hits and starts heating up in the book of Acts. So you, you see this power of the Holy Spirit, this this dunamis, you know, when when it, which is uh, where we get our word dynamite from. You know, when when Jesus showed up, boom, things would happen. When the Holy Spirit shows up, boom, things it happens and things explode. So this is what's happening. So we're going to jump into Acts chapter three, verses one, and it tells this incredible story of. Peter Peter and John reaching out. And so Peter and John are, are going to the temple one afternoon to take part in their, their afternoon prayer service. And as they approach the temple, there's a there's a man that's been lame from birth and he's being carried in. And each day this guy is put beside the temple gate, the one called the beautiful gate. So it's the afternoon he's coming there and people that care for him are setting him there and this guy is begging. So he's there so he could beg from the people that are going in for their afternoon prayer. And so when verse three, when the when he saw Peter Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for some money. That's what he did. And then in verse four, Peter and John look at him intently and Peter said, look at us. And the layman looked at them eagerly expecting, he's expecting money. And Peter said, I don't have any silver or gold for you, but I'll give you what I have. In the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, get up and walk. And then Peter took the lame man by the right hand. I find that interesting. It stand, that stands out, the right hand, and he helped him up. And as he did, the man's feet and ankles were instantly healed, strengthened. He jumps up, stands on his feet, and he begins to walk. He's walking, leaping, praising God. He goes into this temple where he would normally sit outside. Now he's going into the temple full of faith, full of excitement. And it says in verse 9, all the people saw him walking and heard him praising God. And when they realized that he was the lame beggar that they had seen so often at the beautiful gate, they were absolutely astounded. And they all rush out in amazement to Solomon's colonnade, that particular area, that side of the temple where the man was holding tightly to Peter and John. And then here's Peter's opportunity. So all these people are gathered. There's this miracle takes place. And now it's Peter's opportunity. So Peter gets up in verse 12 and he sees the opportunity and addresses the crowd. He says, people of Israel, what is so surprising about this? And why do you stare at us as though we made this man get up and walk by our own power or godliness? For it is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of all our ancestors who brought glory to his servant Jesus by doing this. This is the same Jesus whom you handed over and rejected before Pilate, despite Pilate's decision to release him. So Peter's totally laying it on harsh on these guys. Look, it's your fault. Peter says, you rejected this holy righteous one and instead demanded the release of a murderer. You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. And we are witnesses of this fact. We all are witnesses of the fact, as he's saying this. Verse 16, through faith in the name of Jesus, this man was healed. And you know how crippled he was before. Faith in Jesus has healed him before your very eyes. Friends, realize that what you and your leaders did to Jesus was done in ignorance. But God was fulfilling what all the prophets had foretold about the Messiah, that he must suffer these things. So here's now the instruction. This is, this is the, the call to action. He says, now, verse 19, repent. 
of your sins and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped away. Then times of refreshment will come from the presence of the Lord. And he will again send you Jesus, your appointed Messiah. So here's Peter in front of everybody. He gets up and he just preaches this awesome message and sermon. And and, and these people are, are cut to the core. But it all started from this healing, this miracle that took place. So here's this crippled beggar, and you know he has a deformity uh, that makes it difficult for him to walk. But yet he's one who makes a living simply by the generosity of others. And this guy was crippled from birth, it says. And so daily he's carried to beg at the temple. You know, um, if you're a cripple, you weren't actually allowed to serve in the temple. And what's the first thing the guy does? As soon as he's healed, he goes to church to worship. He gets up and runs into the temple. Um, you know, when he was brought there, it said in verse 2 that he was brought there every day to beg for money. It, it was how he he earned his living. And he, he was defined a bit by what he did, not necessarily who he was. And for all of us, you know, we can carry titles sometimes. The world tries to define you, tries to define who you are. And for this crippled beggar, you know, his feet, you know, as he, you know, pulled himself around and, and, you know, he had different areas. I'm sure there was calluses, you know, and I'm not talking about just, you know, the beggar on the side of the road. I'm, I'm talking about calluses that we can get um, personally from family members, maybe a friend who's not walking with God. We can, we can develop these calluses from word or titles that the word, the world tries to put onto us. And I love how Peter grabs this man by his right hand. The right hand is always a symbol of authority. It's honor, it's respect. And this should be the position of the church and in the life of the believer that we reach out to those in need with our best. Your right hand was your best hand. That was your That was your strongest arm. Peter didn't necessarily go down to his level. He pulled the man up to his full potential. And we can do that. In verse 16, it says that uh, faith in Jesus healed the crippled man. Uh, You knew how bad his condition was, but look at him now, Peter's saying. You know, without Jesus, all of us are like this crippled beggar in life. Without Jesus... We're, we're that way in our spirits. Without the work of the Holy Spirit, we begin to lose mobility in our walk with God. And, and we become dependent on others for validation. We become dependent on others uh, that say we're not smart enough, beautiful enough, whatever it is, without Jesus. With Jesus, there's hope. Without Jesus, there really isn't hope. You could have some form of happiness without Jesus, but it's not going to last long, but you can only have joy and eternal joy with Jesus. And I, and I love I love that it goes on to say that this man, this beggar, he was seen and known by them. What a thing to be seen and know. God helps us to truly see and know those that are around us if we take the time. They saw him as he was, and now they saw him as he is in the sight of God. And so Peter is saying that, you know, to to all these people, he's saying, hey, look at this man. You've known him. You've seen him. You've known who he was in the community, but now look at him. And our lives should speak to that, especially as believers. Our lives should should look different before Jesus encounter and then with the Jesus encounter. Our lives should look different.
You know, I don't know about you, but I find that oftentimes my knowledge exceeds my obedience. <laughs> and I'm never reminded of that more than when I see the red and blue lights flashing in my review mirror. Uh, I remember getting a ticket uh, about this time last year. And I, you know, I, I knew I knew that the police officer would be there. Why? Because Waze told me that the police officer was going to be there, that that was coming up. You know, I love that feature in Waze, by the way. Um, but I was in the middle of a conversation with Fawn. We were talking, we were dreaming, et cetera. And then all of a sudden, of course, there's the cop. And as soon as I see him, you know, the, the, the light bulb goes off, your heart palpitates. It sends a message down your spine to your foot and it tells you to break. And so I break, but of course it's too late. End up getting a large ticket that ended up getting dismissed. Praise God. But right then and there, I often find, you know, I found that my, 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 my knowledge exceeded my obedience. And that's kind of what happens sometimes in our lives because sin isn't just disobedience. Sin is also lacking total obedience to God. It's not just what I did per se, but it's also what you did not do when you knew that you were supposed to do something, step out and you didn't do it. In verse 19 of this chapter records, it says, now repent of your sins and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped away. And then times of refreshing will come from the presence of the Lord, and he will again send you Jesus, your appointed Messiah. And I just want to end the podcast episode today with this. If there's anything in your life, any sin in your life, anything that you need, that you know right now in your heart, the Holy Spirit's speaking to you, and you know that there's that there's there's something going on that's a bit of a hindrance between you and God that you need to make right, I just want to encourage you right now to pray. I want you to ask the Lord. I'm going to lead you in a prayer right now. I just want you to ask the Lord to come and forgive you of those. And I promise you, times of refreshing will come. So if you can just pray this prayer with me. Jesus, this sin, this thing that's between you and me, I pray that you'd forgive me of it. And I repent of it right now. I turn away from this sin and I turn back to you, God. And I pray that as I do, I pray that times of refreshing will come again. And Jesus, you would come and enter, fill my life fresh and new in the name of Jesus. Amen. I believe that if you prayed that prayer, I believe that God's going to continue to do a work in you. This is not a one-time thing. This is a daily thing. Sometimes it's an hour-by-hour type of a prayer. And I would encourage you, if you're not involved in a church, find a church family, find a church home where you can have some accountability in different areas of your life and also be encouragement. Uh, They they could be an encourager to you. And so I pray blessing upon you. Have an awesome, awesome week. Thanks for listening to the Authentic Church Podcast. God bless.